Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. And I am TK. Hello, TK. Hello, Kat. How are you? I am doing okay. I am doing doing good. Well, maybe you'll do better after reading the Bible. I feel like you say that every week, and that does and not... And you're always better after the episode's over. I always, yay! You know, I got called the out Bible the other works. day. For Damn. not wanting to pray. Ooh, who do you want to pray with? Uh, in my show that I'm currently in, we pray before each show, before we go on stage. And for the listeners who don't know, TK is an actor <laughs> and he's in another stage play this month. And um, that is very common. I see that a lot with uh, maybe not stage plays. I feel like a lot of concert tours. And strippers, a lot of times, will pray before they take the stage. So both heavily black demographics, because I feel like I only not necessarily concerts. With, like concerts are that's a black and well, white thing. I mean, it is to be fair, but I yeah. feel like well, first of all, when you said it, I imagined the entertainers praying backstage, and then automatically I imagined like Beyonce or somebody like that, not. That's just because you're racist. It's fine. Okay. We'll pray that we away are, later. We're all a little racist. An SNL skit was about that. But anyway, I um yeah, I got I had a I had to get pulled aside by the director who wanted to know was something or something wrong with me because each <laughs> time they'd be like, "Can we pray?" Um, over the last few weeks, let's pray. I'd be like, "Wow, I'm Jewish. How do y'all know I'm not <laughs> Jewish?" They proceed to keep praying, and so we started praying this time. And I actually said the prayer, but it was like super quick. It was like, which prayer like was it? Three sentences. No, I just made it up. It was like three sentences, oh. and then I was like, "All right, let's break team." And then they were just so. Like, wait, uh, what is that? How does this involve? So does everyone have to go around and say something? No. So my director usually will be like, "Okay, y'all, let's pray real quick before we go out," and then we all, you know, you gather around, grab hands, and then somebody be like, "Lead us in prayer." And then um, I happened. The only reason I ended up kind of doing a prayer is because I happened to be talking when they said uh, somebody lead us in prayer. And then somebody has said, well, the person who's still talking needs to go ahead and just say it then. And so I was just like, all right, well, I and I said like three sentences, which was it was some BS. It was just uh, like, you know, dear God, thank you for whatever. Watch over us for the show. Um hopefully one day I'll see you or some shit. And then like, I was like, all right, let's go. And then they were just like, uh, that was short. And so I walked off in the other room and started getting changed. And they're all stayed in there and did a much longer prayer. And then later, right after that, my director came up and said, like, Oh, is everything okay with you? And I was like, yeah, I just, but I you're not though. You could be like, Hey, this isn't, I don't want to pray. Cause that's not part of my spiritual practice. Um, yeah, I could have said that. I think I also was 
this also happened off the back of the moment that I told you earlier prior to the show with the altercation with me and the other sure. gentleman. So you so just I look like the atheist asshole. Yeah, I just look like an asshole. Okay. <laughs> hey, it bees like that. Well, for anyone who may have missed the last episode, we were um, reading the New Revised Standard Version of First Samuel. Twenty. What did we read? Twenty. We read twenty-five through twenty-seven. Yes. So they did the death of Samuel, um, which was super quick. They didn't really even go into that at all. That was like two sentences. Um, and then David uh, pulled spared somebody's Saul. girl. Wow, well, that also happened, but he also yeah, spared Yeah, David Saul. pulled somebody's girl. Because that was what was crazy. He, like, demanded some, like, basically money from this dude. And he was like, or food for his troops. And dude was like, nah, I ain't ever heard of you. And he was going to attack him. And then the wife came down with the goods and was like, please don't attack us. And he was like, okay, cool. And then mysteriously, 10 days later, the guy dies and he ends up married to his wife. Yeah, that So I'm sure was that crazy. was completely above board. And then, um, yeah, David spared Saul's life a second time. And then David served the king of Ashkish with um, giving him tribute from all of his raids. Yeah, all of that happened. And yeah. more to come. Like David, so to you, does David seem like a good guy? Is that somebody you'd want on your team? You know, after reading this note, I, I mean, David always seemed like, on the up and up from the stories we learned growing up. But I mean, but what stories did we learn other than David and Goliath? And that was enough. That was his greatest hit. And, and what, and what did he do other than kill a guy? I I mean, in hindsight, yeah, it looks like, damn, this was, it's kind of stupid. Yeah. Oh, and he, um, I think in the last reading he got a Goliath sword, but this is what I mean when I say that we learn things throughout our lives that we never question and then it takes somebody like you or me to be like yeah you know have you ever really thought about that thing for people to be uh, like oh yeah you know actually it's that like is- no thinking takes calories don't do that to me <laughs> okay it's santa claus all over again well yeah i mean no one cares where the evidence is pointing they just like story that makes them feel good I have further arguments though for this because I've been doing doing watch. I've been going on a wise crack. Um, shout out to wise crack binge. It's a great, um, great content. And just the entire there was a video I think I sent you, which it was just talking about the entire um, situation with religion and how it does actually play a valid uh, role in society because. And it kind of credits your point of what you said there, because there are people out there who need this in order to not be fucked up. I don't think I've ever made that point. The thing I feel like you haven't said that exactly. I think what you said is jokingly where it's like, well, if that's all the standing between you and murdering somebody, you keep believing. Yeah, jokingly. I don't think people need this to be good. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think they need it. I think it's easier to be good without this. Yes, they don't need it, but it seems to help a lot of the people. Does it help them or does it give them the illusion of help? That, but would you because agree that not every would you medical? agree that not everybody's able to to process not believing? No, I think it's perfectly possible. I don't think people want to. 
Okay. Like a lot of well, times, then, people, I guess that's it's what the I'm same saying. thing with like Santa Claus. Like, obviously, like people can function without believing in Santa Claus. Like, part of becoming like mature is that moment when people realize, like, oh, okay, so I've just been had. Which once well, again everybody's is the different. weirdest, gaslightiest thing to do to children. I don't think it's healthy, but like. I, uh, I'm sorry. It's just to me, it's the same thing, because when you try to tell people there's no Santa Claus, they get really like children. When I was a child, I figured out way early there was no Santa Claus. It never made any sense to me. And it was quite obvious to me that people's parents were buying them presents. And when I brought that up, like people would hate me. <laughs> Yeah, because people don't like their illusions shattered. We've had this they discussion don't. before. I didn't know that as a child. I thought people preferred the truth to yeah. their delusions, but that is not true. You know what's interesting? I feel like I brought this up to you in person the other day, but I think as a child, like I'm a very blunt and just direct person. Got naturally. that. That's why you got into that argument earlier. <laughs> sure. And then as I went through junior high high school life in general i learned similarly kind of what you learned like people don't like you to be truthful and honest they just like the air of truthful and honesty they like the thing they like politeness over principle almost as i had said to you the other day and Even so AI, oh it's sorry, good no and i was just gonna say so i but and I went through a long period of time where it's like I'm now I, I do I wanted to be liked. And so I'm trying to meet these bullshit standards of people. And now I think I'm just kind of getting back to like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'd rather be around exactly. people who really like me for me. It's probably going to be like a smaller group, but at least I don't have to get depressed because I'm playing a character all the time. Well, it's training. It's training. And um, even with the AI, it's been trained for acceptability and not accuracy. A lot of the chat GP, you know, the chat oh, AI shit. and yeah, stuff. We, I think we talked about this. I've definitely saw a video about this, how they've been fucking curbing it. Yeah. To, um, it's just, and I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. I would much rather the truth. Well, most people don't like us. So because once again, um, one of my favorite quotes, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Who said that? Um, I got it. I heard it from Eddie Huang. I don't know if he got it from somewhere else. He's the author. Um, I liked. I, I like it though because I think it's very true. Because I, I find that very, to be very true in my own life. A lot of times when I hear something about myself or my work and I get irritated, but a lot of times it's because it's true, and I'm like, damn it. And then once you move to acceptance, you can. It's nothing wrong with feeling angry, but there's there might be something wrong with staying in anger instead of acceptance. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like that's kind of the conclusion I came to with dating and non-negotiables and things. Are you ready to start? All right. All right. I'm reading First Samuel 28. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. Akish said to David, wait, did you say that this was the new revised standard version? I mentioned it when I was doing the recap, but I could say it again. Oh, okay. um, Samuel 28, new revised standard version. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. Akish said to David, you know, of course, that you and your men are to go down with me in the army. David said to Akish, very well, then you should know that. You should know what your servant can do. 
Akish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Saul consults a medium. Now Saul had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. Saul had expelled the mediums and wizards from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shuam. Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw that the army of <clears throat> when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, not by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go to her and inquire of her. His servants said to him, There is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and went there, he and two men with him. They came to the woman by night, and he said, Consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one whom I name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the wizards from the land. Why then are you laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He answered, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul! The king said to her, Have no fear. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up from the ground. He said to her, What is his appearance? She said, An old man is coming up. He is wrapped in a robe. So Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and did obeisance. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me, and they answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams, so I have summoned you to tell me what I should do. Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you just as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing with is done this thing with to you today. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your son shall be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because the words of Samuel, and there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and night. The woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Your servant has listened to you. I have taken my life in my hands and have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also listen to your servants. Let me set a morsel of bread before you. Eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he got up from the ground, sat on the bed. Now the woman had fattened a calf, had a fattened calf in the house. She quickly slaughtered it. She took flour, kneaded it, baked and baked unleavened cakes. She put them before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they rose and went that night. Thanks be to God.
guy was basically pissed off because uh was it uh i keep confusing saul and samuel yeah um saul they start with an s and end with an l it's crazy yeah god was basically pissed off because saul con- consulted a medium and god didn't want him to do that can we define what a medium is real quick i interpreted it as a fortune teller but i was just letting like because not everybody might not have english as oh, a sec- okay. uh, you yes, know as a yes. first language and medium is like a second definition because medium usually means between small and large so when we're saying a medium we're talking about a psychic yes I appreciate your correction. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm being serious. I'm trying to be more, uh, like, not take offense to people correcting me. Thank you. Yeah, I think the world needs more of that. So I, yeah. I, 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 I always that. say and thank then, you for the correction. Yeah, and I, I'm sure our, our listeners appreciate it. Um, but that's how I took a medium. It's like a fortune teller or a psychic. Uh, and I'm just to be clear from my interpretation of this, God is pissed because Saul consulted a psychic to figure out what's going to happen with the battle um, well no he was already mad at Saul before that okay because he he goes to the medium because God's not talking to him gotcha okay I missed that part yeah okay well um I mean this is this is on brand I think God doesn't like you you know going outside of the the group, the family, whatever, to can to get other advice. He's here for you. He's a pimp. You know? Yeah, you he's doing? very much a dom. Well, what to me what's interesting about this is because I'm I'm trying to read this as if this were real people, like if this was like an act cuz I don't I'm not convinced that, that any of this really happened. But let's just say for within the canon of 1 Samuel like, this is a real story. This is a real account of what happened. Obviously, Samuel's not even writing it because he's dead at this point. So, um, well, I don't know. Think... He, doesn't he come back? Well, in here's the, the, the thing not the... physically, no. Yeah, like, the... <clears throat> he's, um, because here's the other thing I don't believe in. I don't believe in like mediums or fortune tellers or psychics either. I think all that stuff's fake too. Also, people get very mad at you if you point that out as well. Well, you're ruining their good time. Well, it says for entertainment purposes only because in most places, like it's even illegal to say you can tell the future for money. Like that's just, it's just not true. No one knows. Like, but the f- people like that certainty and there's always going to be willing people willing to sell you that certainty. But the fucked up thing is people still read that fine print for entertainment purposes only and just totally disregard that and latch onto that as if it is the truth. Right. For the certainty. People love it. But and, but I agree with your point that God is like, hey, fuck off. That's the competition. Stay away from that. Like, if you want to know what's going to happen, listen to me. Kill all the people I tell you to kill. And we're good. Because that that's what. Um, so, like, yeah, he goes to this medium woman did you like the fact that she was from indoor (laughs) (laughs) yes i do i do enjoy that i enjoyed that um but yes when there's this there's this line where they said when saul inquired of the lord the lord did not answer him not by dreams or by urim or by prophets and then that's when he decides to go to the medium but i was like what's an urim oh did we get a definition on that I'm about to look it up now. 
or a meaning. Two objects of unknown nature, possibly used for divination, worn on the breastplate of a Jewish high priest. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's two things. It's called Urim and Thummim. Okay. And those are the same. Okay, so it's all part of like the sort of ceremonial regalia that the Hebrew priests would wear or the Israelite. Yeah. So like the ephod and then the Urim and Thummim and then like a bunch of other stuff. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. Pretty much what I got from this is that Saul scared. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, you know, battle is scary and killing. He's people. killed a and lot of also, people. I'd be scared too if I'd kill that many people. Yeah, I was gonna say, and Saul, Saul, David, Samuel—they've all done a lot of dirt. So, yeah, not a lot of peace in that lifestyle. But, um, yeah, but this is like, um, oh, this is after Halloween, but this is like a pretty gnarly ghost story. Like we've got a, um, it sounds like the medium called to the underworld, Sheol, the Hebrew sort of like land of the dead. And was like, hey, there's this guy who wants to talk to you. And I love how he knew, like, he was like, well, what does he look like? It's like, it's an old man in a robe. It's like, that's him. It's like, okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> You didn't even ask for like a secret code word or ask him like what he used to whisper in your ear. Nothing. Old man no. in a robe. Got it. That's all it took. All it took. And then, of course, it sounds like he's. Um, and then, of course, Samuel's still mad at him. And he was like, why'd you wake me up? I'm tired. And just for that, you're going <laughs> to be joining me. You and your son and your armies. Like everybody's going to be in the land of the dead with me. Yeah, but that's not what the interpretation says, because the interpretation uh -oh. makes makes it seem like because Saul consulted this medium. Samuel then appears through psychic. Whatever. Evaluation, magic. I guess. Magic. magic. Boom. They magic. And and let's Saul know, hey, because you did this, you're going to die. And so are your sons. And it's because you didn't listen to God. Because God told you don't do this. But it's like, why wouldn't God just talk to him? Well, Samuel's saying God won't talk to him because he didn't kill that guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, Which to me is weird because it's like God seems perfectly willing and able to kill people on his own. So it would be kind of like if your boss he was like seeing you do it. Well, to prove that you love him. Right. Like that's like when you join a gang and you have to like get initiated. Well, this reminds me of like uh, this particular conversation is now reminding me of um, what is it like Mayan culture? I could be saying that it's wrong, but the cultures that like their gods are bloodthirsty. Blood yeah. I feel like so all the maybe, gods are. Well, maybe that's how they stay young. That's why they need all this murder. But they're they don't get old. They're immortal. But they're only immortal if we die. Wait, what? Which could. I'm sorry. I, I thought somebody was outside yelling, help me. Oh. I think they're just calling. For you ain't job. Batman. Just stay inside. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm saying maybe that's why the gods created us, because we have to kill each other that way that they can keep their power. It's a bad system. I got to say. Or keep their. I mean, is it? Yeah. 
Like okay. when you're referencing like the Mayan temples, like where they like murder people every day and like rip out their heart so that the sun would keep rising. Like that's not a good system. As it turns out, the sun will keep rising even if you don't rip out the hearts of your enemies for the gods. Maybe. But if you lived in a society that believed that, it'd be really hard to convince people that it wasn't true. I mean, it's it, really hard to convince people that this isn't true. And we live in a modern right. society. With, and the stakes are a lot lower in this instance. So we're, we're very fortunate for that. Absolutely. Because me walking away from that prayer the other day, I should have been stoned to death for my. Uh, for your lack of faith. Yes. <laughs> my insubordination. Um, anyway, do you have anything else before I jump to 29? First Samuel 29. Okay, the Philistines reject David. Now the Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek, while the Israelites were encamped by the fountain that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish, the commanders of the Philistines said, "Where are these Hebrew? What are these Hebrews doing here?" Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines. Is this not David, the servant of King Saul of Israel, who had been with me for days and years? Since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him, and the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, so that they so that he may return to the place where so that he may return to the place that you have assigned to him. He shall not go down with us to battle, or else he may become an adversary to us in the battle for how could this fellow reconcile himself to the lord would it not be with the heads of the men here is this not david of whom they sing out to one another in dances saul has killed his thousands and david his ten thousands that's the lyrics then akish called david and said to him as the lord lives you have been honest and to me, it seems right that you should march out and in with me in the campaign. For I have, for I have found nothing wrong in from you. Look, for I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me until today. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peacefully. Do nothing to displease the lords of the Philistines. David said to Kish, "But what have I done?" What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now, that I should not go and fight against the enemies of my lord, the king? Akish replied to David, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. Now then rise early in the morning, you and the servants of your lord who came with you and go to the place that I appointed for you. As for the evil report, do not take it to heart, for you have done well before me. Start early in the morning and leave as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Thanks be to God. Oh, well, that was short and sweet. It was. Um, But I get it. I think the Philistines have a point. Well, well. Okay, let's hear it. The, well, I mean, David, the the song, like David, his tens of thousands. A lot of those tens of thousands were Philistines. So yes. even though now you're on our side because you're having a beef with the now king of Israel, 
like, okay, now you're on our side, but then you could easily just as well switch back. And like, I wouldn't trust him. It would be like if all of a sudden he's dead now, but like if all of a sudden Osama bin Laden wanted to come over here and be like, oh, I want to join the army. And it's like, nah, but he's like, but I've been working over here for years. I've been nothing but cool. It's like, yeah, but like you blew up the like you inspired people to blow up the twin towers like you killed a bunch of our people like just because you want to fight with us now doesn't mean we're going to trust you um i'm not arguing that uh i just want to add because i don't know if this is true or not but wasn't osama bin laden a, a a government spy like back in the 80s or something for no the United States? what happened has was, that been disproven he wasn't a spy. He he was working with the CIA and them. You have to think back in the 70s, um, Afghanistan was being occupied by Russia. And at the time, that's who America was in a beef with. So what America did was just make a deal with, you know, the, um, I, I want to say the Mujahideen. Is it the Mujahideen? It was one of the kind of like what we would consider now an Islamic terror group. We wouldn't have back then. But okay. um, because we were more concerned with fighting the Russians than Islamic terrorism, they supplied arms and resources to um, what is what we would now call Al Qaeda, which is Arabic for the base, because they wanted to create a base for a Muslim caliphate, which is like a Muslim kingdom like that was Osama's dream. So back in the Damn. 70s, he was working with the American government to get rid of the Russians because he wanted to kick out this European force that was occupying Afghanistan. But once they got rid of the Russians, um, then they rose to power and then became a threat to the United States. Gotcha. All right. That makes sense. Once again, I read a lot of memoirs. Whose memoir was this in? This was in Cola Booth's memoir. She was his former mistress, Carmen oh, okay. Bin Laden. That was his sister-in-law. Um, uh, Richard Clark, he goes into it a lot. He used to be the Secretary of Defense. Uh, he had a book called Against All Enemies, and he knew a lot of the background intel on how Al-Qaeda came to power. You know... What's interesting is all the information is out there, albeit in books or li the library, internet, in some capacity. But very rarely do people seek out that truth. Well, it, it also gives you a different perspective because when you start learning about like a lot of these countries and what we call like the Near East or Middle East or uh, maybe northern Africa what we consider the biblical area you know that's where um, these stories are coming out of a lot of places still live like this you know like the mm. bible times like they they and it's not good that's the whole thing whenever people like we need to get back to bible values it's like you don't want to live like that I will like, take no for 1000 yeah it's just crazy so um once again i find myself not agreeing with david in this circumstance i would not want to ally with david i don't think he'd make a good ally okay well thank you for the history lesson um why am i getting all the long ones that's what she said De samuel oh i'm sorry did you have anything else no okay first samuel 30 david avenges the destruction of ziglag 
Now, when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negeb and on Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag, burned it down, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed none of them, but carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned down and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had often been taken, had also been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was in great danger, for the people spoke of stoning him because of all the people were bitter in the spirit for their sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David said to the priest, Abathar, son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out, he and 600 men who were with him. They came to the Wadi Bezor, where those stayed who were those stayed who were left behind. But David went on with the pursuit. He and 400 men, 200 stayed behind, too exhausted to cross the Wadi Bezor. In the open country, they found an Egyptian and brought him to David. They gave him bread and he ate. They gave him water to drink. They also gave him a piece of fig cake and two clusters of raisins. When he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong? Where are you from? He said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. My master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid on the Negeb of the Shinthronites and on that which belonged to Judah on the Negeb of Caleb and we burned down and we burned Ziglag down. David said to him, will you take me down to this raiding party? He said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master and I will take you down to them. When he had taken them down, they were spread out all over the ground, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great amount of spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. None of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether great or small, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back everything. David also captured all the flocks and herds which were driven ahead of all the of the other cattle people said this is david's spoil when david came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow david who had been left at the wadi bezor they went out to meet david and to meet the people who were with him when david drew near to the people he saluted them then all the corrupted and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with david said because they did not go with us we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except that each man may take his wife and children and leave but david said you shall not do so my brothers with what the Lord has given us, he has preserved us and handed, us, handed over to us the raiding party that attacked us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For the share of the one who goes down into battle shall be the same as the share of one who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. 
From that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel, and it continues to this present day. When David came to Ziglag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It was for these in Bethel, in Ramoth, of the Negab, in Jatir, in Eror, in Sifmath, in Esh, Temoa, and Rechal, in the towns of the Jeremilites, in the towns of the Kenites, in Horma, in Borashan, in Anak, in Hebron, all the places where David and his men had roamed. Thanks, we got. <laughs> David got robbed. He did, which is only fitting. He's robbed a lot of people. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that typically is what happens. Yeah. People. Like you're in a life of crime. Like, yeah. Um, But he wasn't taking it lying down and, you know, he was looking for to get some get back, reached out to God, put in the call. And, yeah, he put the F out like on because God can only talk to you if you're wearing the right stuff. I mean, it makes it makes sense. You were just complaining about there not being a code. I mean, there, there we are. God can only talk to you when you were in the right stuff. Okay. Yeah. It just seems a little shallow if I can give the Lord that note. In um, what way? Well, my whole thing is like you made. Well, people. because if you're not wearing the right stuff, he doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah, it, it feels shallow. Okay. Just, I mean, I'm just a lowly human, so I know I'm not allowed to really talk about it. But yeah, I think it's and a it, woman at that. So and and you know, oh my goodness, a cursed woman! Place. Are you kidding me? I'm the what are they? Who? What is all called? Jonathan's mama, a perverse and rebellious woman. Am I? So yeah, I probably would have been killed a long time ago. But yeah, this was just. I guess this is supposed to be a happy story. Yeah, he avenges. Um, the raiders who raided him and got his wives back. Hopefully they weren't defiled, but probably were. That's usually what goes down. I was just going to say, most likely they were. Raped and pillaged. Really that's usually how things go down. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he's probably done his share of, I mean, he's definitely done his share of pillaging. I don't know if he took his uh, liberties with any of the slave women, but that would have been totally allowed because the Lord doesn't give a fuck about those kind of people he does not yeah i as a person who may benefit from a lot of the things that are being taught in here i have no desire to really want to live this way now this is this is bad this is definitely worse than what we got on going on people are like man things are so messed up today it's like did you have to worry about a raiding party last night while you slept you don't, but the way things are shaping up in the United States now, who knows? Who hey, life is knows? it's it's ebbing and flowing, man. Um, it's never really safe, but um, yeah, because David's killing all the people that the Lord wants him to kill. David is still in good graces with the Lord. So David is basically God's hitman. His button man. His button man. Yes. Yeah, he tells David to push a button, and David does it. Yeah. Well, he's getting and, a lot um, done. and I mean, shout out to him for helping that slave out. That's also a good lesson for why you shouldn't leave your slaves behind because then they can help your enemies. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, even be, if your slaves get sick, take them with you. Yeah, that should be Tyrant 101. Um, okay. Well, I, I don't know. I don't really have much to add there. I mean, you know, David, you know, he got his get back. He was victorious. Uh, I guess I could add this, actually. Um, the message here, according to Internet sources, is that. Uh, that's not a source. Like, that's not a. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> that's not citing a source. Internet sources. That could be anything. OK. Like, what's the name of the website? Bard. OK. According to Bard. <laughs> that's a citation. What that didn't even matter. It doesn't matter where it's come. Okay. It does matter where things come from. Like if if I was gonna be like you know from journalist sources and I quoted the National Enquirer, Enquirer, that's not. Well, they. I feel like they do that on the news all the time though. They don't actually say the source. The journalists do. Like they have to source stuff. Like they might not. They might not cite. They don't but cite. let me read the, the <laughs> message right now. I'm just saying in general, saying like internet sources isn't really information. Saying the name of the site you're getting it from is conveying information. According to Bard, Google's version of AI, the message of this is that this passage shows how God is faithful to his people and he rewarded those who trust him. Would you agree? <laughs> So I guess as long as you don't consider the people who got kidnapped one of God's followers, he definitely wasn't looking out for them. Fair enough. Hey, God has favorites. I mean, too bad that you're not one of them. Favor isn't fair. That's very popular. Is that really people. a thing? Do we ever look that up? Because I know people. That's, an e- that's a black evangelical bl- thing. I don't think that's blessed like a and highly favored. Thing. That's not a real, I feel like I have to look this up now because. I mean, I feel like the word favored and blessed are probably in here, but I think the kind of packaging of it and the branding behind it is a fairly modern idea. According to the witness bcc.com, because we're citing sources, blessed and highly favored, empty slogan or spiritual reality? (laughs) Oh, interesting. (laughs) Oh, make sure you send it, like send that to me so I can put it in the notes. Yeah. Uh, this is actually a huge article, so I can't really. No, like just send me the link. I will. But Thank I mean, you. for my for the listeners, should I go in to read this or? No, no. Like we'll just we'll maybe we'll talk about it later after I read it on the next episode. Like we'll get into blessed and highly favored because we still have to um, read about the death of Saul and his sons. Yes. Which I'm about to do. Yeah. It sounds sad. But not anyway, really. So Once again, like, how sad am I supposed to be for these people who are killing a bunch of people? You know what it makes me feel like when I'm watching Daggone Power and, like, I'm supposed to feel sorry for ghosts? It's like, I don't feel, sorry, don't feel for sorry for this. For I don't feel sorry for this violent fuck nigga. Like, why should I feel sorry for him? He's killed a bunch of people. Who cares if he gets locked up or killed? Well, I think. I think it's the the empathy of it all because to me the the anti heroes or the villains like the most interesting ones are the ones that you understand or can relate to and so in Ghost Mind he didn't 
he felt like he was only operating through the world that he knew because though he felt like those were his only options. Now, we could argue that that was not exactly true. It's even brought up in the episode like Angela was like, yeah, you know, you could have went to that prep school. You sure could have not to. Sure. So uh, but people don't know what they don't know. So and he definitely didn't have to kill Tasha's little boyfriend. Uh, he was a fuck nigga, too. But whatever. Once again, like, but he wasn't a violent. I put the violent in front of it. Of course, no one deserves yeah, to be. But gay. He was a piece of shit. He didn't deserve to die. No, I don't think anybody deserves to be murdered. Damn, poor Terry Silver. Yeah, I don't think he deserved to be murdered. But he was a bitch ass nigga. Let's not. <laughs> let's keep it real. Um, and I don't. There weren't don't really like, any heroes on that show. To be honest, there was no one I was actually cheering. But for. in real life, there's not really heroes, or we're all heroes in, in one aspect of life. But you might be a villain in another. Like you, you may be a hero to some, but you're probably a villain to other people. My there's, whole point was like, uh, Ghost wasn't a hero to anybody. Like not his kids, not he wasn't particularly loyal to his business partners. He definitely wasn't loyal to his wife. Uh, he wasn't loyal to his mistress. Um, he he was just someone who was unrelentingly chasing power, which is why it reminds me of David. But I feel like we all do that. I don't relentlessly chase power, regardless of who it hurts. You don't relentlessly chase it, but I'm sure you, in some aspects understand that you have to have it i am in a dance of power in like lots of aspects in my life like many people but like when i'm talking about like either ghost or david like that's all they care about which is why they're not really a hero to anyone like i don't i haven't really found anything heroic david has done just except in sort of the ultra violent cinematic way that we glorify murderers I don't think we should glorify murderers, but as I've said this before, I think there's things to be learned from every situation, um, but you have to filter out what works for you. That's like That's a non-thing, but like I'm talking specifically about people who just like make their living killing people. And like I said, and you're right, like for some people, someone's a villain and for some people, they're a hero. But there's also people where they're just everything they do is villainous and they don't have any redempting qualities. Like we like to think of people like the way we are. We're like we have ups and downs. We do good and bad things. But according to this narrative, like I I can't see what David has done except devoted his life to murdering people. Um, I feel like he did. So I have to go back and listen he learned to how to play movie. the harp. I feel like David did something that I was like was very shrewd or very. I can't remember. I it feel was like probably I in the but ago. in the process in the act of killing someone though. He yeah, did do but a lot of clever stuff like the way he killed Goliath point, was clever. That is that is from a observatory standpoint. That's like, the only standpoint we can take. You brought up like ghosts and stuff and how he's these people shouldn't be celebrated for being. But I think there is something like from a business, like thinking from a person who like does business stuff. I, I, I admire some of the shrewdness now. I don't think it's ever that deep to he murder didn't people. didn't do any business, though. What business did he do? David. Or ghost. Um, David. That's why I said I have to go back and listen to the episode where I actually thought that. I don't, okay. I don't have it off the top but of my head. We'll, but we can definitely say that it wasn't clever enough that you remember it. 
don't remember any of this shit. I have to review it before we do the episode every week. Um, yeah. It's a sign of good writing. Doesn't stick to me at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, are we moving on to the last first Samuel, which is 31, the death? Oh, and to answer your question, blessed and highly favored is questionably in the Bible, but whatever. Okay. I'm sure those words yeah. appear. But yes, I still think that's like a crazy, like narcissistic thing to say. Ah, uh, hundred fucking percent, hundred percent. Like God loves me, not you as much. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also very gaslighty because for the people who feel like they're div- they have they have worked hard and they're still not getting the result they want, you know, the pastor is telling them, "Well, you just gotta work harder. You gotta keep believing. You gotta keep doing X, Y, Z," and that's bullshit. Yeah, it's it's actually Bullshit. very, very, very sad. Oh, I remember yeah. one time of uh, I think I was reading an article that was interviewing Reese Witherspoon, who I generally enjoy. Like she's a uh, to me very good um, actress, and um, I tend to like the work she does um, both on and off screen. But she was doing this interview, and she was just talking about how blessed she is and how much she believes in God. She's from Tennessee. It's very hard to escape that in Tennessee. And so she was just saying, like, my life's so blessed. It's hard to not believe that there's a God. And it's like, you're a white lady in America. That's your God. Like, you don't have everything just because the God of the universe thinks you're so special. You have a particularly charmed life because everything about American culture is geared towards making sure that you're having a good experience. Yeah, but for every Reese Witherspoon there's a whole bunch of other actors who never will reach or have never gotten the opportunities that she's gotten. And no, she wasn't talking about her acting career. She was just talking about her life in general, like just how amazing it is. And I'm just saying, I'm just not saying for an actress, just anyone who's having a good life, the idea that it's because the God of the universe is looking out for them. It's a smack in the face for everyone who's having a bad time because it's like, it's just all random in happenstance. No, I'm talking about specifically for someone like Reese Witherspoon. Everything is she's an American white woman, like an attractive American white woman. So like, yes, everything is set. All of our systems are set up so that that person is having a good experience. If you're an unattractive person of color, you're not has have and you could be have as much faith as Reese Witherspoon's. You could believe in God even more than she does. And I guarantee you, you're probably not having as or I won't say guarantee you're probably not having as good of a time as Reese Witherspoon is. And I don't think it's because the God you, the universe hates that person and loves Reese Witherspoon. It's because of there's a historical precedent of the people who've had power and put these systems in place. So I don't want to take anything away from her because I'm sure she worked hard. She's very talented. But uh, when but it's not just her. It's just whenever I hear this from people who are just like, my life's so good, I just have to believe in God. And it's like, so does that mean people who are having bad lives, they shouldn't believe in God or they're just yeah, pissing but again, God off? It goes back to what I've been saying for weeks. People say things and never really question what they're saying. They That's never true. think about what they're saying. Yeah. So, like that statement is in a perfect example of that. Yeah. I just remember being like, oh, come on. You just have no idea how obnoxious that sounds. Like, there's got to be a God because look at how great everything's going for me. Yeah, but see, I, I, 
I still use the term blessed. I just don't attribute it to like just being of the universe or whatever. It's just like, no, I, I mean, I'm, it's more like lucky for me. Yeah, it's like, it, yeah. a lot of life is luck. Like I know a lot. I'm, I become more and more aware of my privilege like every day. And I don't think it comes from a God. I think a lot of my privilege was handed to me by my parents. I think a lot of my privilege is, like I said, like a lot of the systems in America do work for me, like not as much as they work for maybe white people, but because I'm a lighter skinned black person, like things aren't as hard for me as they are for an immigrant or someone who's darker or like there's so many privileges that have nothing to do with me or the amount of work that I put into stuff. But like certain doors were or the fact, too, that I sound white and have like an Anglo yeah. name like that opens certain doors that if I had a different um, dialect or accent and like a difficult to pronounce name, I might not be able to have as many doors open for me. Sure. Um, I don't believe in sounding white. This it's actually, a thing, though. I mean, we grew up in segregated societies. I grew up, I went to a white school. Like, I constantly, when I would go home to my black neighborhood, ask, have people ask me, like, other kids and be like, why do you talk like a white girl? And it's like, I don't have an answer for that. I'm just talking the way I always talk at school. Okay. Well, I don't know. I have a... I hate that. That conversation and and you can tell like the light don't, skin don't even act like you can't like not always, but you can generally tell a lot of times in an American accent if you're talking to a black person or a white person. Yes, a Mexican I can tell. Person. I don't like the ignorance of the statement. Is it's what not I'm ignorance. Like, I, like the way you talk is a science. You can tell where people are from by how they talk more than how they look. Like dialect, like phonetics and dialecticians, like that's how they fish out frauds a lot of times. Like how you, t it, where you're from really does impact how you talk. That is not where I was going with that at all. I think it's an ignorant statement, particularly among black people, because it's used to discredit your blackness. So therefore, from that standpoint, I don't like that com like i don't like that conversation also the light skin versus dark skin thing because people just try to discredit you and make you feel like you're not black enough because you're these things because you've had opportunities or you may have certain privileges that's the only argument i'm making yes obviously when you listen to people you know exactly like you're probably not from this neighborhood or you probably went to this school or that school that obviously as you put it is a science but that was not my argument at all i apologize for misunderstanding you but it doesn't undercut but colorism is a real thing like there are just certain like life is just because of how white supremacy works like if you are a lighter skinned black person you're not having as hard of a time as a darker skinned black person i totally 100 percent recognize that yeah. i probably get treated i've said this before i feel like i don't feel like i experienced racism directly because one i I guess I talk like a white guy. I don't know. But I definitely do. I, I talk in a way that appeals to white people. I know how to be around white people. I know how to make them feel comfortable. I don't look like a threatening black man. Even with my fucked up beard that's growing right now, I still kind of look presentable, probably because of my light-skinned privilege. So, therefore, I do recognize that. Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with that point. I just was 
go in a different angle with it. Regardless, let me get Samuel. The death of yeah, I gotta go talk to some white people right after this. Woo! And thank you, nice <laughs> white people. This person is British, though. I mean, okay. still white, but yeah, like, that's the that a, that's, that's who invented United whiteness, States. damn near. But yeah, shout out to nice white people. They've they've helped in the struggle. <laughs> the death of Saul and, and his sons. Um, now the now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and may fell, and many fell on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines killed Jonathan and Abinadab and Malkishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard upon Saul the archers found him and he was badly wounded by them then Saul said to his armor bearer draw your sword and thrust me with it so that these uncircumcised may not come and thrust me through and make sport of me but his armor bearer was unwilling for he was terrified so Saul took his own sword and fell upon it when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead he also fell upon his sword and died with them. So Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men died together on the same day. When the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook their towns and fled and the Philistines came and occupied them. The next day when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Geboa. They cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the houses of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Astarte, Astarte? and they fastened his body to the wall of Beth Shan. When, but when the inhabitants of the Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men set out, traveled all night long, and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the war of Bethshan. They became from the wall of Bethshan. They became they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Then they took their bones and buried them up under the Tamarisk Tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fastened seven and fasted seven days thanks be to god Ooh. these right. violent delights have violent ends he took the hitler end he just he killed himself instead of rather than be captured yeah he fell on his sword it's kind of um, some bitch assness but whatever yeah like you live by the sword you die by the sword yeah i don't know i don't like i don't like when people don't he did he lived a life of fuckery and then he was like oh i know they're gonna do me the same way so i might as well kill myself like that's kind of bitch assness to me it was i mean listen i understand it though i mean it's it's probably the it was probably the smart move it wasn't gonna go well (laughs) um (laughs) i mean it was uh Oh man, Saul had a rough go of it. I wonder. I, I, I'm sure every night in his bed he was like, "Man, I wish I'd never met Samuel." Like he could have probably just stayed in his home. He was what was he a Benjaminite? Could have just stayed, you know, keeping his sheep, have you know, just a wife, couple kids, and live the civilian life. But he had to become king. He was, and that's yeah. the thing too. He was selected by the Lord to be king. And then the king, the Lord regretted his decision and then allowed him. 
I just feel like this was, even though this was a lot of action, like I, I think I overall enjoyed First Samuel just for the narrative, but the characters were just all deeply flawed. I can, I, I can go worry with that. I was, I was cheering for Saul for a little bit, but once again, he's also super violent. But I think a lot of this was thrust upon him. But and next week we're going to be uh, learning about uh, David. He's going to mourn for Saul and Jonathan, and then he's going to be anointed king of Judah. And then it looks like somebody else is going to be king of Israel, which is interesting. And then Abner defects to David, which is interesting mm. because I thought Abner was like Saul's dude. Well. The plot thickens. It, that it does, like a rue. So I'm going to go ahead and do my sign off. Um, you know, your body belongs to you. And um, you should definitely read a book before you give your eternal allegiance to it. <laughs> uh, be curious, not judgmental. That is an everyday practice. Um, get therapy. Bible Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Bye.